of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell radio program. Well, hello, America, and beyond the fruited plain, welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted and excited to kick off another busy broadcasting week with you. Obviously, big news over the weekend to discuss, projecting what's coming up ahead in New Hampshire. We're going to talk common sense because that's what we that's what we do here. It, it is not difficult to be a conservative in these United States and to see everything so clearly. It's just a matter of everybody else catching up with us, right? So if you're on on my team, if you're thinking about truth and you want justice and you want fairness and you love America, you've come to the right place. Wendy Bell Radio Network app, Wendy Bell Radio podcast, however you tune in. Welcome home. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Well, I don't think it was a huge surprise to anybody over the weekend when Ron DeSantis bowed out of this presidential race. He never should have bowed in. None of these people should have gotten involved to the degree that they did. And it's not because of Donald Trump. It's not because of one man. It's because of one country. And what we're doing is we are peeling off single issue voters who believe that whatever pet project is so important to them, what whatever gets them up and grinds their gears in the morning as being their reason for being active politically supersedes that which is the collective. See, we, we. I don't want to look at people whose politics disagree with mine in any other way than we are Americans. We collectively need to work towards something. So the title of today's program, if you're watching on the live stream, it says United We Stand. That isn't just a GOP thing. That isn't just a group of people. It's this overall idea that we've got to get back to the basics because we are losing our country. And once you lose your country, I don't think abortion 
I don't think looking at the lens of race and seeing the entire world that way, uh, I don't think this whole transgender agenda, this whole climate nonsense, all of this is just interrupting the number one focus that we collectively have to have. And that is to stop the destruction of the United States of America. I want to play you two bits of audio. We need to get these out of the way, off the top. Look, I know a lot of you like Ron DeSantis. That's great. This was never Ron DeSantis's time. It was never going to be his fight. And we predicted this more than a year ago. Not because we're superstars, but because we see this at 30,000 feet. Whether Ron DeSantis has saved his political career is left to the future to decide. I don't care. I want you to hear what he said, however, as he acknowledged over the weekend that he was suspending his campaign. Listen. Many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. That is a message that is strong. It was a strong, succinct, noble and honorable message. And Donald Trump said in response to that, I am very honored to have Ron DeSantis's endorsement. He said this in a statement following the news of the Florida governor suspending his campaign. This from Breitbart. You know this very honored. And I want you to hear at a campaign stop what he said to a guy in the crowd talking about the nickname Ron DeSanctimonious. Go. Okay. He just said, will I be using the name... Ron DeSanctimonious. I said, that name is officially retired. Okay, so say what you will. Say what you will about the names, the nicknames. Say what you will about the grunge of campaigning. And say what you will about Donald Trump in that respect. I want to read something to you. And it's something that I believe we've all forgotten because it happened three years ago. And it's important that we remember what Donald Trump said as he was leaving office. As he knew what had happened in this country was 
so despicable and so predictable and so preventable the theft of an American election. He said, this is brilliant too. We are and must always be a land of hope, of light, and of glory to all the world. This is is the precious inheritance that we must safeguard at every single uh, turn, he said. For the past four years, I've worked to do just that. From a great hall of Muslim leaders in Riyadh to a great square of Polish people in Warsaw. From the floor of the Korean Assembly to the podium at the United Nations General Assembly. And from the forbidden city in Beijing to the shadow of Mount Rushmore, I fought for you. I fought for your family. I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for. And that is safe, strong, proud, and free. Now, as I prepare to hand over power to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Those last four paragraphs of Donald Trump's farewell speech in January of 2021 underscore this idea that it is not one man, it is not one party, It is not one idea. It is not one ideology. It is one country. We all must want the same things. Safety. Security. Prosperity. And the ability to teach our children that no dream is unreachable. That is not what we have now. We've had three years of this. It is time to actually be what that phrase is. United we stand. And there's no time to waste. When we come back, crestfallen, crestfallen news for me. A VP contender, at least in circles among people like us who talk about such things. A Donald Trump potential VP says, you know what? I'm not interested. Thanks, but no thanks. Who she is and why the future still looks bright next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. 
kind of fun to consider all the potential running mate options for Donald Trump. Look, we're going to limp into uh, Nikki Haley is going to limp. She's going to be propped up by donor class money. Interesting. The founder of Home Depot says he's ready to sink cash into her campaign, but wants to see what happens tomorrow in New Hampshire. He says, why would I throw money down the rat hole? That's what he said if she doesn't do well. Well, right now we hear that he's got some polls showing him with 60 percent, 60 percent. How long is Nikki Haley going to continue? Well, we'll see. I bet you she's in it until the very end. So let's get back to this idea of who we would like to see as a potential running mate, which isn't just a running mate. But who do we want to see in 2028? Who do we want to see in 2032? Oh, my gosh. Doesn't that sound so old? I sound so old. (laughs) I had been hoping and thinking about, thanks to some guests I had on my Newsmax show, Common Sense, over the weekend, Sarah Huckabee Sanders would be great. Well, she says no. I love the job I have. Thank you so much, but no thanks. And that's great, but still. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who worked in the Trump administration as White House press secretary, is among the names mentioned for Donald Trump's vice president. However, Sanders says she is content with her current role as Arkansas governor and good for her. While appearing on Face the Nation, she was asked about the vice presidential rumors and she shut down the idea right away of being Trump's running mate in the 2024 presidential election. Look, she said, and she looks great. I absolutely love the job I have. I think it's one of the best jobs I could ever ask for. And I am honored to serve as governor. I hope to get to do it for the next seven years, she said. She's strong. During the interview, she said Trump is dominating Joe Biden on every major issue for Sanders. For Sanders or over Biden for voters. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Look, I think she's wonderful. Who do we want? Who do we think? Who do we need? I reject the notion that we need to check boxes. Do you think that you need to have somebody there who is a female? Do you think you need to have somebody there who is a minority? I believe we need to have somebody there who's the strongest candidate. Who's a strong voice, who's a powerful leader, who might not lead always, but who is unwavering in their commitment to what we believe in, which is called America first. Still, CBS News reported this. Sanders, who took office last year, touted her endorsement of Trump in recent months, saying that the coming presidential election is very simple. This is not complicated. Thank you for saying so, Governor while contrasting Trump's record with President Biden's. It's a very clear contrast, she said. One has a record of success coming from a posture in a position of strength in Donald Trump and one who comes from a position of weakness. Although Sanders did not directly answer if she thought Trump would unite the country, she said Trump had empowered her to do my job when she felt she was under attack from the media and from the people on the left. And she said, I know that he can deliver again because he's done it before. She argued Trump is winning on every single thing that voters actually care about, she says. And that drives them to the polls, pointing to the economy, the southern border, national security more broadly. I have no doubt that the matchup in November will declare Donald Trump a clear victor because of that, that contrast. So who is it? Donald Trump has hinted that he's already selected the individual. 
Asked by Fox News chief political anchor Brett Baer in New Hampshire about when he will decide who could join him on the ticket if he secures a nomination. Trump said, well, it's never really had that much of an effect on an election, which is an amazing thing. Both election and primary, it's never really had much of an effect. I may or may not decide something over the next couple months. There's no rush to that. It won't have any impact at all. The person I think is a very good person, a pretty standard, I think people won't be that surprised. But I would say there's probably a 25% chance that that would be the person. Asked if Senator Tim Scott, who dropped out of the primary in November and endorsed Trump on Friday, is on the list. Trump described the senator as a great guy, while also highlighting other political figures from the Palmetto State. And he's right. Did anybody think that Donald Trump choosing Pence was going to be anything other than a nod to the evangelicals he desperately needed in Iowa. And he didn't win in Iowa in 2016. Donald Trump did not. So I agree with him. I think his point is clear. And once you hear some of the stuff that's coming up later, actually just after this next commercial break, we're going to dig into some of this nonsense about the safest, most secure Look, if we do not have faith that our votes matter, that they get counted appropriately, that the machines used to collect them, to tabulate them, are free from infiltration, if you will. If you don't have faith that the judges, to whom evidence of potential wrongdoing of curious happenings, of switched tallies, if you don't have confidence in the judicial system to hear this evidence, then you do not have free and fair elections. And I've been doing some digging over the weekend about this case going on in Georgia right now as we speak. And this runs completely at the same time that Donald Trump is defending himself in this ridiculous lawsuit about overturning the 2020 election in that very state, Georgia. And it just so happened that on Friday, in front of a federal judge who sat on a 90-odd page report detailing how easily hacked the voting machines are in Georgia, judge sat on the report, would not let it come out. The very man who spent 12 weeks digging into these machines. These are Dominion machines. And we've been told, shh, it's like Lord Voldemort. You can't save that. Can be hacked with something as simple as a pen. So please, anybody out there who thinks this is just conspiracy myth stuff, buckle up, stay tuned, because we've got this story coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. When you don't when you don't break the law and you don't lie and you don't cheat and you don't deceive and you don't pretend, you don't have to be a strong arm bully to con people into silence to give you cover. It's amazing how much fear, how much threatening and yes, in your face, bullying is going on with these election systems, this dominion system. Look, if I can't say to you right now that I have grave questions about the the using of these 
electronic voting machines, where I vote in southwestern land before time, Pennsylvania, I fill out a paper ballot. The paper ballot goes into a scanner and you're kind of just stuck there standing there like a moron with some gut, some person trying to give you an I voted sticker. I just want to know that my vote registered what I wanted it to. Right. But did you guys know that in the state of Georgia, all of the machines in all of the county are the same machines run by the same company? Dominion. Well, that's kind of an interesting monopoly to have in a community that has been, I don't know, embarrassed again and again and again by election anomalies and abnormalities. All of a sudden, we found more votes. What? So there's this guy, and his name is Jay Halderman. All right? Probably never heard of the guy. I hadn't either until I started paying attention to him. And I needed to pay attention to him because he decided to do something pretty interesting. And this has been going on well before the 2020 election. This isn't some, my guy lost. I have no idea what this dude's politics are. If anything, he's an academic. I would say he's a Democrat. And the guy who worked with him, another guy. And they said, hey, we want, we want access to one of these Dominion systems, one of these voting machines. Give us 12 weeks. We're going to look into these machines, and if they really are safe and secure, as Dominion has has told everybody they are, and has basically threatened everybody into repeating again and again, if they are that safe and that secure, we will come out and say, you know what? Thank goodness at least one state is doing it right. But in a state that has Brad Raffensperger as its Secretary of State and Brian Kemp, When he's not flying to Davos as its governor, I scratch my head. So on Friday, this guy Halderman was in court. So there's a lawsuit going on. And the lawsuit is basically, hey, this is unconstitutional for the voters in Georgia to be subjected to unsafe, unsecure, and unreliable elections. And the judge in this case has a long history with it. So I want to get you the update. This is on the Gateway Pundit. It piqued my attention probably on Friday, Saturday morning. And then I started doing some digging into this fellow's lawsuit. Here's the story. Breaking. Professor and election expert Jay Halderman hacks into Dominion voting machine in court. On Friday in Georgia, in front of Judge Totenberg using only a pen to change the vote totals. Is it honestly that easy? Well, here you go. In June 2023, the Federal District Court for the Northern District of Georgia unsealed the 96-page Halderman Report. It's a security analysis of Georgia's ImageCast 10 or X, whatever it is, image cast X, ballot marking devices. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger had been hiding the report from the public for two years. University of Michigan professor of computer science and engineering J. Alex Halderman and security researcher and assistant professor at Auburn University Drew Shrignal 
collaborated on this report where they discovered many exploitable vulnerabilities in the Dominion voting system's ImageCast X system. Far-left Judge Amy Totenberg had sealed and covered up the results of their investigation of Dominion voting machines in Georgia and sat on the report until this week. If I told you nothing else, that is vile. That is, at the very least, wildly concerning. Why would a judge sit on the results, 95, 96 pages, that showed dizzying dizzying abilities to corrupt the machines, to spread malware across the entire state of Georgia on those machines, to corrupt the QR codes, switch who people are voting for, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't need to be a technical technical whiz to do this. Judge sat on the report. The report confirmed that votes can be altered in the Dominion voting machines. Again, if you knew nothing else, How does that make you feel? In fact, the report revealed that the Dominion software is vulnerable and can be hacked. Following its release, voter GA founder Garland Favorito went all over social media talking about these findings that, of course, you're not supposed to know about. And Brad Raffensperger hid this information from the public until the summer of last year. Why exactly was it? So in addition to this article, they attach the Halderman report itself that came out in June. And I want to read you, I'm going to scroll up and get into it and just read you a few of the findings, just the first first page of what this Professor Halderman from the universe, Halderman from the University of Michigan found. And then you tell me why this wasn't front page news, why every single person in this country who believes in United We Stand shouldn't have access to this and knowledge of this information. This is the overview of the Halderman Report. It is one page. In 2020, Georgia replaced its insecure decades old DRE voting machines with new ballot scanners and ballot marking devices manufactured by Dominion Voting Systems. Isn't this the same company that went after Fox News for $787 million? Hmm. Although the same ballot marking devices are used for accessibility in parts of approximately 15 other states, Georgia is unique in using them statewide as the primary method of in-person Voting. This unusual arrangement places potentially malicious computers between Georgia voters and their paper ballots. In contrast, in most of the United States, voters mark paper ballots directly by hand, and then these ballot marking devices are reserved for those who need or request them. Georgians who vote at a polling place generally have no choice but to use these Dominion Voting Systems ballot marking devices. All voting systems face cybersecurity risks, he writes. As the National uh, Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine recently concluded, there is no realistic mechanism to fully secure vote casting and tabulation computer systems from cyber threats. However, not all voting systems are equally vulnerable. 
And then the plaintiffs in this case contend that Georgia's universal use of these ballot marking devices, the voting system, is so insecure that it violates voters' constitutional rights. To assist the court in understanding the risks that the system creates, the plaintiffs asked me to conduct a security analysis of these systems in Georgia elections using one of these devices provided by Fulton County. Isn't it so weird how everything sucky seems to right now revolve around the nucleus of Fulton County? He says, I played the role of an attacker and I attempted to discover ways to compromise the system and change votes. I, along with my assistant, spent a total of approximately 12 person weeks studying the machines, testing for vulnerabilities, and developing proof-of-concept attacks. Many of the attacks I successfully implemented could be effectuated by malicious actors with very limited time and access to the machines, as little as mere minutes. This report documents my findings and conclusions. It goes into every single detail, right? And then Friday, on the stand, in this lawsuit where the plaintiffs allege Georgia's use of these Dominion machines and only these machines is a constitutional threat makes a threat a risk to every single Georgia voter this guy J Alex Halderman used a pen from the defense attorney and was able to touch the machine and change votes Now, ladies and gentlemen, anybody who doesn't want you to know about that, any judge who thinks a 95-page report after 12 weeks of work should be sat on, any secretary of state who refuses to update the system, any governor who doesn't work with then-President Donald Trump to identify the problem can only be concluded as either being woefully ignorant, incompetent, or in on it. Now, which of those three all of these players are, we have yet to determine. Georgia voters, do know your elections are neither safe nor secure. And I imagine the results would ripple across America to many other states as well. That being said, let's get back to Arizona. Did you guys hear about this? Arizona election officials are being alerted to another easy voter system failure. Secretary of State's office there once again warning county recorders that voters may be disenfranchised as the result of a recurring issue with the statewide voter registration system. Secretary of State's office notified county recorders that people who are trying to vote in the upcoming primary, which is closed in Arizona, who are registered as Republicans, could see their voter registration switch to independents, thereby excluding them from the process. And I'm going to get into this a little bit deeper for you after this short break. Is this okay with you? Oopsies, we found something. There's something weird going on. But I'm sure it's fine. We'll figure it out before the primary. Is that good enough to you, ladies and gentlemen? And all of us who say, you know what? I have grave concerns about these elections. Conspiracy theorist, election denier. No, you're not. Because I'm right there with you. 
and so's Arizona. We'll get into this story and so much more next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. So you got to love this. This is what the Secretary of State, Arizona Secretary of State's office, notifying all county recorders of this issue. Oopsies, little bit of an issue. I'm sure it's nothing, right? Hello, counties. We are currently investigating an issue where easy voter transactions, party preferences, as of January 17th of 2024, are now containing the word party at the end of the party preference value. As a result, the current AVID system may set an easy voter party preference to other by default instead of one of the design designated party preferences. This is currently impacting all recognizing par- all recognized party preference values. That's a lot of mumbo jumbo for, huh? It kind of feels like things can happen with technology, right? Does anybody, is anybody else out there in my boat when you remember to yourself, God, why was it that growing up in the 70s and the 80s seemed so much easier, right? We got the microwave oven. I thought that was amazing. Then the cordless phone, remember it was like a bread box with that long antenna. You'd poke somebody's eye out and it would go and then crush down. We thought that was cutting edge. I remember walkie-talkies with my friends. We thought that was pretty amazing. Everything since then, eh, I'm going to say downhill. Arizona has issues. Georgia has issues. All issues coming to a polling place near you. Remember, it is about chaos. Now, it's not just about causing A lot of mayhem and madness and bogging people down and all sorts of, oh, no. It's also about just dumb people. There's a lot of dumb people, sadly, I think, out there. And unfortunately, a lot of them run for office and sadly they win. Well, I want to read you this story as we talk about the state of affairs in this country, what we're up against. How about reclaiming our children's education? How about dismantling the Department of Education? I know this is something that is Donald Trump's uh, a priority, an agenda item of his. Evaluating what the Secretary of Education is really for, why we have these teachers' unions. They certainly aren't about representing the kids. It's not about improving test scores or improving literacy, giving kids the tools they need to be independent thinkers. I think it's not been about that in a long while. But this is pretty interesting. See how you feel about this. New York Post headline. Students as young as five could get paid for attending school under Ohio proposal in bid to fight truancy. So we're going to pay. We're going to pay. We're going to pay kindergartners. Actually, we're just going to pay their parents. That's really what it is. We're going to use money. Free money. I'm sure nobody's going to have to pay for this. Of course you will. How dumb is this? Students as young as five could get paid to show up to class under a proposed Ohio law aimed at fighting absenteeism. You know, we're not going to get to the basics of why kids don't want to go to school. Because teachers are more interested in indoctrinating. This is a broad brush. Is it every teacher? No. Are there a lot of fabulous teachers out there? For sure. Is this overall Democrat paradigm of suck deeply entrenched in our educational system? Absolutely. 
under a pilot program, Ohio would make biweekly $25 cash transfers to select kindergarten and ninth grade students just for showing up to class nine out of 10 days in the two week span. Hell, if we're paying for kids to show up, you darn well better show up 100% of the time. Period. Students who keep a 90% attendance rate for the year would get 150 bucks at the end of each quarter and $700 at the end of the year. If you don't think that everything that happens in this country is based on bribery and blackmail and suck, it's gone this far. It's gone this far, ladies and gentlemen. One of the sponsors of the bipartisan measure argued that cash would be a good incentive. Cash would be a good incentive. To get kids to show up, a.k.a. for parents to say, you know what, rather than taking my child out of this public school that I don't agree with and test scores that are clearly terrible, I'm going to go to a charter school or I'm going to scrape together enough enough money. I'm going to figure out a way to homeschool. I'm going to do something other than this. This is a panic grab attempt to get the butts in the chairs. Every butt in a chair has a dollar value, has nothing to do with educating our kids, has nothing to do with we want our children to be the most robust, rounded, wonderful, free thinking people. It's not at all what this is. Every single student gets a dollar figure assigned to them for their school district, period. Quote, we went from 15% pre-pandemic to over 31% in this most recent school year of absenteeism. That's almost a third of our ninth graders that spend their first year of high school missing more than 10% of their school days. This is the number one issue we are facing in education, said Dan, Representative Danny Isaacson. Isaac Schoen, whatever, a Cincinnati Democrat. This isn't the number one issue we are facing in education. The number one issue we are facing in education is getting back to the basics of teaching what children really need. And that is math. That is science. That is social studies slash history. It is not about pledge allegiance to my LGBTQIA flag. It is not about politics. It is about basics. And they've wandered off the reservation a long time ago, my friends. So if you live in Ohio and you've got a soon-to-be kindergarten or a ninth grader, who knows? You might get some extra help with your bills come later this year, ladies and gentlemen. Because that makes sense. Coming up on the Wendy Bell Radio program, my friends, why Fannie Willis is Fulton County's Claudine Gay. If you check enough boxes, no matter what you do, will you always be insulated from repercussions? I'm going to go with probably. You decide after this. Next. 